Everyone faces questions and decisions that require insight and answers as we move forward personally, professionally, and corporately in all areas of this thing we call life in America today. Hello, this is Joe Schofield, and I invite you to tune in every Monday evening from 6 to 7 p.m. as we talk together and hear from key leaders of all ages and backgrounds about your questions. Interesting, informative, intuitive, but always encouraging. Tune us in on BBS Radio Network. Join Pastor Joe and co-hosts Ron Greer, Dr. Paul Hall, Stephanie Thayer, and Dr. Dr. Craig Craig Thayer in Raising Expectations. Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and thanks so much for tuning in to this week's uh, version of Raising Expectations. And you know what our show is all about. We hope that each week when you're with us, you'll go away with your expectations raised. We're people of faith. We believe in God and what the Lord Jesus Christ, his son, did for us. And it's Christmas. When we say Merry Christmas to everybody, it's the birth of the Savior that we celebrate. And we're excited to be with you tonight. You being with us makes it all worth it. And the things that you send in and the things you share are such a blessing. So, hey, without uh, slowing down too much, because we've got a great, great program for you tonight. Uh, As we always do, I want you to meet the guys and know them uh, right up straight front in the beginning. First of all, you know, on our program tonight, we have our co-hosts. They're fantastic. I'm Joe Schofield. My life is blessed by these men, and I can't wait to share them with you. First of all, we have Dr. Paul Hall who's a retired pastor, but not a retired theologian, because all through the week, he theologues theologues all week. And that's right. And theologues a big word. Don't try it. It's really difficult. But he knows how to do it really well. So he's always praying for and praying with, and we pray for him. It's great to see what God does in Paul's life. It's even greater to see what he does through Paul's life for so many people. Also, we have with us Stephanie and Craig Thayer. Uh, that's from, Paul's in Lompoc, California. Did I say that right? I think I find, no, I didn't. Lompoc. Yippee, I forget. I'll get it right. Lompoc, cowboy. Still don't have it, Craig. But from there, all the way to the East Coast, we have the Thayers. And tonight, Stephanie's not able to be with us, but Dr. Craig is with us. And uh, you all know Dr. Craig. He's been with us since the beginning of our program. And, and uh, he is a trauma surgeon and a health uh, worker he, with his wife, who's an incredible health uh, coach and, and helps you to see what's good to eat, but much more than that, how God made you and how that works. And uh, a trauma surgeon, as you know, folks, when there's a, a, a detailed situation, when there's an emergency or something, Craig is the doctor that uh, is there for these situations. And what I love about him is he always says, as we've shared before, uh, when he gets ready to go into surgery, he always says, Lord, you've laid this life in my hands. Give me the ability now to do what you would have me to do to save this life. And uh, Craig, I want to be with you when, if any time is needed in my life. Uh, so <laughs> we'll just get hold of you at that time. Love you, brother. Glad you're here, too. Also, we have... Back and I'll uh, send you a check. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'll send mine in the mail. No problem. Is there still mail? Yeah, I think there is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, all right. Well, that's all the way in Georgia. 
and uh, Dalton, Georgia, and we're so thankful for the Thayers. Paul's in Lompoc, California. Right. I finally got it. Okay, and then all the way in Central America, in Texas, the great state of Texas, in McKinney, we have one of our favorite pastors in the world, our brother in Christ, Pastor Ron Greer, who is a speaker with Men on the Mirror out of Florida. Uh, it's kind of like Promise Keepers, only he just talks to, builds up, and coaches men to become godly men that they need to be, and uh, he is... Uh, He's just so shy. We've worked very hard to get him out of his shell. And we're doing pretty good, right, guys? He's coming along pretty good. Yeah, that's right. Love you, brother. I'm working on I'm working on Yeah, you're working on That's right. Amen. All right. And so tonight, without any further ado, just because we are excited to have with us, we have all the way from Central America, again, the state of Texas, not far from Houston. Yeah, there you go, Ron. Two Rons from Houston, or two Rons from Texas. There we go. There you go. Two for Texas. Ron is a, uh, I hope you saw some of the material we put up this week. Uh, Ron is a very special guy. He's He's a journalist, an associate editor. He's been a, a, of a retail magazine, a trade magazine. He was a combat correspondent and a photographer of the United States Army. He received two bronze stars, which I really didn't know. I found out more about that today. And uh, he writes way out of the box because he writes from a great heart where the Lord lives. I've known Ron many years, and uh, Ron is one of those guys who says and lives what he believes and knows in his relationship with Jesus Christ. And so uh, Ron is the author also of, uh, I'm going to show you a couple of books here, Wayne's Angel. Now this is going to be a trilogy. You could say more about it for you in just a minute here. But this is the second, the first of the trilogy, if I've got it right. And the second one of the trilogy is called Betwixt. So you've got here, and then you've got Betwixt. The rest of the story is coming. He'll share a word with that, and we'll let you know how to get that. And he also authored a great book because he's worked with single adults. He's got a pastor's heart, Finding Your Soulmate, God's Way. Can you imagine that, guys? God's got a way to find a soulmate. He thinks of everything, doesn't he? And Ron just wrote it down for us in this book. It's fantastic. I love one of his quotes. Forgiveness is giving up your right to hate someone for hurting you. Mm-hmm. I like that. That reminds me of what Christ did for me in Romans. While I was still yet a sinner, he died for me. So that's what it's about. So now, although we're going to do some something fun today, we're going to, going to have Ron talk a little bit about his testimony. He's just going to say it's an incredible story of, that he shared with me. And then he'll share that for about 10, 15, 10 or 12, 15 minutes. Then he's going to open it up, guys, for you to share and talk with him about. And then... We'll open it up to some questions uh, about what he's doing now because he's ministering in an incredible church. I'll let him tell you all about it. So I'm all done, guys. I want to pitch it out there to you. And uh, I don't know any group of guys and one special lady in the world I'd rather have anybody talk to than you guys. So, Ron, welcome to Raising Expectations all the way from Texas. And we welcome you. Welcome aboard, partner. Well, it's my honor and privilege to be here among all these fine Christian gentlemen, and uh, it's a pleasure meeting you. Um, I told Joe about my testimony, and uh, it, it's it's actually rather incredible. And if it hadn't happened to me, I wouldn't tell anybody. <laughs> but uh, when I was nine years old, I was in a little Baptist church in Waco, Texas, mm-hmm. because we were living, my mother and two sisters and I was living with my aunt and uncle because my real dad took off 
and both my mom and my aunt are very spiritual women, they were. And uh, I was baptized in that little Baptist church when I was nine years old. A year later, when I was 10 years old, on an April spring afternoon, I was walking home from school. I was walking across the big field there in Waco called Richfield. And people would dump stuff there all the time. And for a 10-year-old boy, it was like a treasure hunt every day. We'd find old rusted screwdrivers and all that. Um, just having a ball. And all of a sudden, I stopped in the middle of that field. And I went, something is not right. And I got goosebumps. And in a split second, I was just enveloped. And a uh, fleshy-colored mist, like I was inside of a cocoon. And it scared the daylights out of me. I mean, I was 10 years old. I had no idea what was happening. But immediately, I looked up from inside of this, and I saw just hundreds of broken, golden threads coming down from above through me. And at that point, I saw, I felt, and I experienced the greatest love and the feeling of comfort I ever felt in my life. I didn't understand it, but it was happening. And all I knew is I didn't ever want it to go away. And at that point, this whole thing only lasted a few seconds. And at that point, there was a still, small voice that said, you're here for a reason. And it went away. That was it. Well, I stood there for a moment because I couldn't figure out what was happening. I was 10 years old. So I ran home. My aunt was ironing and I came up to her and I said, Aunt Ford, let me tell you what happened. And I told her the story and she patted me on the head. I said, Ron, you have such a vivid imagination. <laughs> okay. My mother came home from work. I told her the story. And I tell that story to this day, the same word, uh, same word, same way. And my mother patted me on the head <laughs> and said, Ron, you have such a vivid imagination. So being 10 years old, I thought, well, grown ups know best. And, but I kept thinking to myself, but it was so real. Well, so much for that. I just went on with my life. When I was 15, 16 years old, I started playing football, dating girls, and kind of told God, thank God I'll take it from here. <laughs> yeah. Okay, now let's skip forward 14 years. I'm 24 years old. I'm in Vietnam. I was not work, walking with the Lord at all. Uh, and I'm going to make this the short version. Right. Uh, I, I, I got a chance to leave my battalion and, and actually I lay off to go on a special mission up around Laos. And at that time I thought I was Rambo, nine foot nine and bulletproof. <laughs> and I got on this plane. I had to just kind of fake it with people in my battalion. I was supposed to be gone for three days to complete this mission. Uh, correspondent and photographer. I got on the C-123, and we started spiraling down between mountains on three sides 
to hit this brand newly made runway at a place called Cam Dot. You can look up the Miracle Division. That's it. And the moment I stepped off that plane, I went, me and my big mouth. <laughs> I've been in country six or eight months, and I was used to a certain amount of danger. But when there's mountains on three sides and you're down in the valley and everything there had been destroyed, mm-hmm. uh, two years prior, a Green Beret attachment had been completely overrun by the NBA all up in those mountains. And the Air Force did a B-52 bomb strike. And the only thing that was there was a newly made airstrip. And that was it. There was bombed out howitzers and bombed out road graders and big bomb holes. Nothing else. No white, no building, no nothing. Just lots of helicopters and planes coming in. And those planes would circle between those mountains, swoop down, offload the cargo, and get out of there. That's how dangerous it was. <laughs> I've been in country six or eight months. I knew that. Too. So when I got there, I didn't know a soul. Nobody from my battalion, uh, my brigade. And I happened to see a five-ton truck go by. I had a quad 50 on it. And the call sign of that truck was G55. That's very significant. And I've been on missions with those guys. There was two uh, black soldiers, two white soldiers. As far as we were concerned, we were a band of brothers. There's no such thing as black and white to combat something. Just like there's no atheist in a foxhole. <laughs> well, anyway, they said, hey, would you like to bunk in with us? We've got a, a big hole in the ground. Uh, there's four of us. The hole's big enough for four. And one guy always has to be out on the gun, so you can stay with us. And I said, thank you. I was so glad I'd seen people that I knew because I didn't know anybody in that bustling area. Well, the first night I was there, it rained. And when you're in a hole and it rains, it fills <laughs> up full of water and you're muddy. There was no light. I couldn't see my hand in front of my face. And fear gripped me bad. And I said the only prayer I could remember as a child, I said, uh, now lay me down to sleep. Uh, <laughs> You know, that, that prayer. I pray you, Lord, my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray you, Lord, my soul to take. Because I didn't think I was going to wake up the next morning. Because every single night we had a 100% intel report of a massive attack. The next morning I got up, I got my list of things to do. I started accomplishing the mission. I took pictures, I interviewed people, uh, went to the artillery battalion because I was in artillery, uh, Flew door gunner and a little loose, uh, Hughes Loach to try to take pictures to locate a downed airman in the area. And I completed that mission in three days, just like I was supposed to. The problem is this. Those four men and myself have become a band of brothers. We bonded. And there was going to be a battle. And I didn't feel right leaving them. So I didn't leave that third day. I didn't leave the fourth day. The fifth day is about six o'clock in the evening. I had two of those guys on each side of me, two guys in front of me of the four. We were eating chow. And guess what happened? Hmm. That thing happened again. That misty, fleshy colored spoon came across me again. And in one split second, I knew 
what happened to me when I was 10 was no figment of my imagination. The difference is, this time, the voice was not still a small voice. It was very commanding. And all it said was four words, leave this place now. And it went away. That was it. I was in mid-fight when that happened. I put my fork down. I gathered up my gear. I didn't even say goodbye. I was like a zombie. I just started walking at 300 yards to that airstrip because the last plane of the day was certain. Well, I got there right in time. I walked up the gang plane of that C-123. And the loadmaster always wants you to have orders where you're going. I, nobody said a word to me. And luckily, that plane went back to Brigade head, uh, Division Headquarters in July. But when I got there, the man that sent me, I gave him all the, the film, the notes, the stories, everything I'd done. I didn't say anything about the cocoon. And I told him, I said, you owe me 57 beers. That's the scariest place I've ever been in my life. So he took me to the NCO club there on that division. And I probably, I don't know how many I had, but I had plenty. And by 1030, they rolled me in a transit barracks, uh, there at division headquarters. My fire base was six miles away and it was night. And at 430 the next morning, they woke me up, shaking me and said, Mumford, Mumford, Pam Duck just got hit two and a half hours ago. Mm. And it just rolled off my mouth. I said, where did they come in? And he said, they started with a mortar attack, and they were trying to take out the quad 50, but the mortar round was about two or three yards long, and it hit squarely upon the hole where the G55 guys were sleeping, and they were absolutely vaporized. And for a long time, I didn't tell anybody about this. I was not walking with God. I felt this guilt. Why me? Why me, Lord? Why'd you leave me? Uh, and that's what happened. Wow. <laughs> so the point being, I talked to so many people that God never speaks to me. And I tell them, if you get closer to him, you'll hear his voice. But if he wants to speak to you, I promise you. You'll know it. And I'm telling you that. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here. Amen. Yeah, you can hear him when he starts talking, huh, Ron? What do you think, guys? Tank, you got so a thought? Fast, fast forward to now. Why are you here? Why am I here? Yeah. Well, to begin with, since I obeyed him and I left, I didn't come back to the Lord until I was almost 50 years old. I felt like Jacob wrestling with the angel. I, I fought God for a long time. And finally, I finally said, you went, Lord. And the day that I walked down that little aisle at uh, Green Acres Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas, mm-hmm. that's after I'd taken the company public on NASDAQ. I, I came from a very humble, uh, hardworking, blue-collar family in Pasadena, Texas. I'd just taken that company years before, public on NASDAQ, my mother prayed and said, Lord, bring him back to you. Mm-hmm. And within a year and a half, I went from 
and net worth of about 18 million bucks to buy a truck. And you know what? I told me a couple of things. God hears a mother's prayer. A mother's really? prayer is so powerful. And secondly, I am so glad he did. And when I walked down that aisle, I played the song invitation that I'll never forget. It was I surrendered all. You know, I looked up as a Lord, you have such a sense of humor. Amen. And that's how I came back to God. Mm-hmm. Praise God. Amen. Awesome. Ron, um, you got a thought? Yeah. Well, uh, I, he, he mentioned, uh, Cam Duck and having been in the military for those early years, I remember all the stories from the guys coming back to Iwakuni and, and the base about all the craziness happening there. Uh, the Special Forces base and you know, some of the guys that came back through ours, uh, uh, again, talked about the being in a fishbowl. <laughs> Yeah, I couldn't understand why anybody would put a base in between the mountain range and the, and the valley there. Uh, so it kind of brings back those memories. But, uh, but praise God for his his uh, his sovereignty, man, over any and everything. Praise God. It's, I do praise God. Yeah. I mean, looking back, I didn't understand it either time. Mm-hmm. I, I understand it. I'm taught so much Praise God. Ooh. Yeah, Paul. You know, Ron, thank you for uh, being with us tonight. And uh, thank I, I I never know. Is it appropriate to say thank you for your service? Is, is that still okay to say? You know, In Texas, it is. Uh, thank you for being faithful to the vision that you had. I I, uh, I just want to punctuate something that you had to say. And I think, I think it has uh, some pretty profound implications uh, just to consider. Um, we we can have life changing experiences in a split second, yeah. and uh, it it absolutely changes the course of our life. Even though we may not understand what God is up to at the moment, yeah. uh, being obedient step by step, uh, like uh, Tank said a little bit earlier, shining the light over there. You know, this is the way I want you to go. Um, I know that it sounds. Um, Pretty fantastic the experiences that you had, uh, and and I liked what you said. If you you know if you'd read this story, you'd have trouble believing it. You know, <laughs> but but I believe it, and uh, I believe that God is certainly unlimited in the way that He reaches out to His children, and uh, and punctuates His presence in our lives, yeah. and um, and your life now. Looking back on that, th- those two experiences that you had. Uh, how has that continued to uh, propel you into each day? You know, does it, it, it's lasting effects. How do you interpret that? You said you understood it. Can you elaborate that a little bit? I, I look at every day of life now as a, as a gift. Okay. Uh, God doesn't promise us tomorrow. Right. And it, it was a long time after that that I watched on uh, PBN. Uh, Franklin, uh, Franklin, I'm sorry, Jensen Franklin was talking about the Holy Spirit and he described what happened to me to Mm AT. And that's when I thought that was the Holy Spirit because he described it so well. Mm -hmm. And it's happened to other people. Mm -hmm. And, uh, 
I'm so thankful. I mean, uh, my life hasn't been a straight line. I've had really high peaks, really low valleys. I've lost my only child. But I'll tell you something. God is always with us. Mm-hmm. He said he'd never forsake us. And every day, I learn that. Mm-hmm. Every day. Thick and thin, good and bad, give him praise. We're put on this earth to do two things. We're here to love God and love others mm-hmm. and serve God and serve others. Mm-hmm. Everything else just doesn't count a whole lot. <laughs> yeah. I know one of the great things that Ron did was working a lot with single adults who are such, you know, when I was a singles pastor, I used to say, well, the church may be the hospital where people come in time of need, yeah. but the single, the single adult ministry is the uh, emergency room because they don't know who they are and they're hurting and they don't know what. And uh, I guess one of the biggest things that I watched Ron do for a long time was take people who were hurting that badly and rather than hitting them over the head with a 40-pound Bible and say, believe, <laughs> he just said, God loves you, and so do I. Much like when you call Ron Greer, his message pops up, says, hey, I love you, man. That's It's it's good. And he, I've had singles say to me there at this particular church that uh, they felt like they could be a part of God's family again because of the way that Ron would share with them. Mm-hmm. We're going to make mistakes in life, but God's going to be there to take you through them if you will listen to that that voice when he speaks to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in my book, Legitimate Faith, where God really hit me with something like this, was over in Hawaii at the Sacred Falls. I'm so old now, the Sacred Falls probably more sacred now than they were. But but anyway, way back when, it was just a waterfall. You went, went through a pineapple field to get there. So I went up there one day in a rented 65 Mustang. And uh, I went up there to just see it. And I was by myself. The rest of the group had already come back to record uh, with Bert Backrack back in those days. And uh, I went up there and I sat down. And you know what it's like when you're not listening to God uh, or when you are fighting God. And you may not say it right to his face, but you know what you're doing. So when I think of Ron, I think of two or three things. When I sat on that rock listening, all of a sudden when you get quiet, finally, that's when God starts to talk to you. And he says something real loud like, You know, are you paying attention? And so you listen to him and he said, you know, I want you to do such and such and such. You're not paying attention, whatever your name is. And, you know, when God starts to say that, you try to argue with God and tell him how great you are. Look what I could do. But when you do that, it goes nowhere because God's not impressed with anything. He just loves us. So the second thing you do after you, first you don't listen, second you argue, there's only one thing left to do. When you argue with God, all of a sudden he's not there anymore. It's real quiet because he doesn't pay any attention to you. It's quiet. So then there's only one thing left to do, run. Of course, you're not running the way Joseph did to do the right, Moses rather, to do the right thing. You're just running to get away from the boys and then it's louder than ever. And uh, so many people that I've known have been running that course, running from God, have argued with God, have tried everything they know to get away from God. And all of a sudden, that simple thing that he says, I watched single adults share with me when I was a pastor at a specific church where Ron helped uh, with these singles. And they would say, you know, God does love me. And I love the singles ministry. I love being part of it. And uh, I, I think that's a big part of, of that, that message that he asked for you, Ron. Yeah. 
Um, when I was living in Dallas, I started going to the mega church up there. Uh, I saw on the internet uh, an article article in Christianity Today, and it said middle-aged singles, the stepchildren of the church, <laughs> and that had an impact on them. Oh, yeah. And you go to most churches, they have young adult singles, they have young married singles, they have married people, but you don't find many churches that have a middle-aged single group, like 35 and over. And most of these people, men and women both, wouldn't be there single if they hadn't gotten divorces and made mistakes in their life. And I started a little ministry with four people there. And within three years, and it, with a lot of help from Zig Ziglar, he was such a wonderful gentleman. He went to our church. <laughs> uh, uh, within three years, we got it up to about 100 people. And people were coming from all over the metroplex. I knew about 20 of the people that were coming. And yeah, <laughs> one Sunday, we were, we were starting to teach the purpose of the life uh, by Rick Warren. And 255 people showed up. Amen. And, and I just went, this is unreal. So immediately I reached out to the, the pastors of the church and I said, I am not a minister. Uh, I need your help. You need to take this group over. Yeah. And long story short, they wouldn't. As a matter of fact, they made us leave the campus. Well, and we did. But two years later, they asked us to come back for a series of events, and we did. And I had that ministry for about 10 years, and uh, I learned how to do that from uh, the best singles minister I ever met in my life. That was Ken Bromley from Green Acres Baptist Church in Howard, Texas. I just kind of did what he did, put people around a round table, had questions for them, very interactive. Because I've always said, you can't tell what's on people's minds unless you give them a chance to speak back. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we had people speaking back. And uh, it, it was a wonderful ministry. And I tried two or three times to give it to, you know, an ordained minister. And two or three times I didn't know. Well, God knew you were doing a good job, Ron. He knew you were doing a good job. Tank, Paul, Ron, you got a thought on that? You do a lot of ministry, too, along that line. <laughs> I, 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 I will not say I identify. I guess one of the interesting things is uh, um, that I think some people miss out in church. And churches in particular, uh, it, it's one thing you learn in the business world. Uh, you find out uh, where the need is and what people value, and, and if you if you offer it, <laughs> they'll come. It, it meets mm-hmm. their need. And quite often, I think the difference. Uh, trying to find a gentle way of saying this, I don't know who's watching. <laughs> one of the um, one of the, the the things that that the church church miss churches miss rather is that. We we assume that we have what it is people are looking for, and we are we, and what they need, right? Now, on some level, that's that's correct. 
the problem is we have no idea what people themselves, within themselves, what they need mm. and, and, and where they are. It's, so we, we miss the mark by supplying what's not needed at the moment mm-hmm. or, 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 or presented in a way that doesn't meet uh, where they are. Uh, so I, I think that's, that's the thing that I hear from you, that you met people where they were. You, mm-hmm. you actually spoke to their, their actual need as opposed to assuming. Yes. And I think that's the same thing that we, we, uh, we work with churches, uh, lead, men leaders, leaders in particular, trying to get them to do with, with that with men. If you, if you want to reach and minister to men, all right, find out what it is they need, what mm-hmm. it is they're, they're missing, and what it is they value. And then how give it to them in the context of, of, of the word of God, of the scripture. Mm-hmm. You know, how does this speak to your circumstance? And then what's it look like? Um, I'm a big proponent of a thing the old pastor told me years and years ago. He said, son, the gospel ain't much at all if you don't put meat on and make it walk. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, really? If they got meat on it ain't walking, it, it, ain't, it ain't good nobody. So, I mean, his way of saying, okay, it has to be relevant to individuals where they are in the life they're living in the moment they're living in. Otherwise, it doesn't. Uh, we, we, people, won't, people don't conform to a program. That's right. Uh, Amen. God's got a plan. So good, That's good, right. good work, man. Good work. Amen. Oh, I do, so, I'm sorry. Thank, thank you. Got what, a what, what was the most common thing you found they needed? And why? What was the most common thing that group needed? You know, the thing of it is, since since I only knew about 20% of the people in that group, I, I would stand up there never knowing what to expect. And, and there were people coming there with chips on their shoulders. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time, I guess, a long time, because most Sunday school classes, you know, the teacher teaches and you say a prayer and you go home. But I wanted it to be interactive. And I'll give you a perfect example. And I hope maybe this would uh, maybe answer your question. I'd written that book, uh, Finding Your Soulmate God's Way. And that was, I researched the Bible. I figured God tells us everything else. Surely he'll tell us that. And he does. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and I've been divorced also. So practically everybody in that room is divorced. So we were talking about finding your soul my God way, and all of a sudden this 40-something young woman uh, held her hand up, and she said, I have a statement to make. And I said, the floor is yours. Why? And it was in a church. That's the main thing. Mm-hmm. She said, all men are jerks. <laughs> wow. Because we had about two-thirds women and one-third men and I could almost hear the men putting on their armor, sharpening their swords. <laughs> and, and I just said, okay, stop. Okay, that, that's the subject. So I had two whiteboards there. And I said, okay, ladies, this is for you. All men are, and then I put number one, jerks. I said, who else? Lady rose her hand and said, have separate agendas. <laughs> All right. And I mean, just one thing after the next. And you could tell they were experiencing this in their lives. So I went to the other whiteboard and I said, okay, man, your turn. All women are. (laughs) 
And I thought, here we go. Lovely and nice. Talk <laughs> <laughs> about this is far. not going to go well. And the first guy wrote, uh, said, all women are necessary. Wow. So I wrote it down. The next man said, all women make a house a home. Oh, yeah. All women are caring and we should listen to them more. And I was so proud of the men. They just de-escalated that. And there was a whole new atmosphere in that room. Mm -hmm. These singles have problems. They want to be heard, but they don't quite know how to figure it out. Mm. And the, the fact of the matter is, uh, I just told him, I said, you know, I've been divorced too. Uh, I haven't been very wise. Uh, I, I married several times. I'll say nothing bad about the young ladies that I married. I thought I was in love with them. I guess I wasn't. But I said I wasn't doing it, doing it God's way. And the fact of the matter is, the closer you get to God and the more you listen to him, the more he will bless you and he will lead you to your soulmate. <laughs> and, I mean, I was astonished at the research I did for that book. Because God tells us he has an answer to everything in his book. If, if you'll do what David said, study and meditate upon the word. Amen. The more you see God, the more information he gives you and wisdom. Amen. I'm, I'm going to jump in one second here. Okay. Keep that thought. And um, just so everybody will know, we want to thank you. There have been some people who have been donating to the program and what a blessing it is. My goodness, what a blessing it's been. But uh, again, we want you to know before Christmas, anybody who makes a donation on our website, uh, bbsradio.com forward slash raising expectations. Uh, there's a little donation box there. We have a wonderful brother in Christ. Great guy. Great. He's one of the leading men in the field, nationally known for helping people with the uh, uh, Medicare, Medi-Cal, all the things that are going on. And uh, he will match that dollar for dollar because he's been on the program and he's, he prays for us. He's a prayer warrior for us. Just want you to know that bbsradio.com forward slash raising expectations, plural. Beep, end of commercial. Okay, now moving right along. <laughs> tell them tell them a little bit uh, about the, the church you're in now, guys. And we've got about... Uh, We've got about, oh, we've got like 12 minutes here. Tell them about the cowboy church. This is phenomenal. He's actually in a cowboy church. As you can tell from looking at us, all of us are cowboys, so to speak. Yeah. That's it, Ron. That's it. Yeah. There you go. Got it. Well, Just I tell think one thing, I am not a cowboy. Yeah, I know. And after going to a mega church in Plano, Texas, with a, uh, where everybody wore suit and tie and uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thirty or forty thousand members. When I moved down to Montgomery, Texas, population was about fifteen hundred, <laughs> and I've never lived in a small town before. Uh, I, I, through the course of the elimination, uh, I walked into a cowboy church, and it was rustic, it looked like the inside of an old saloon or something. <laughs> the men had built it, and people that walked in there. This is what. Amazed me. 
It was during the summer, and people would come into that church. They would wear, especially like some of the ladies, they'd wear flip-flops and cut off blue jeans and a T-shirt, and they'd have <laughs> tattoos all over their, their arms. Not tattoos. And <laughs> everybody, uh, black, white, Asian, everybody was just walking in there, Spanish, and they were made to feel so well. Amen. That is the most humble church mm. of servants I've ever been in in my life. And Pastor Randy Weaver and his wife, Pastor Darla. Pastor Randy is a real cowboy. <laughs> he was on the rodeo circuit. He is a world champion roper, oh. but he was also a pastor to the cowboys. Oh. And he met Darla. She had been raised on a, on a ranch. She knows more about cows than most men do. And uh, Randy's the cowboy. Darla raises the cattle. And Lone Star Cowboy Church was started in a tent on the side in a pasture on the side of a highway. <laughs> and 15 years later, it has 3,000 members. Wow. And people are baptized in a horse trough. <laughs> Literally. They have the greatest cowboy praise band you've ever seen. <laughs> they have so many ministries. One of their ministries is called Three Cross Beef. And there's a boys' ranch near the church where that our church supplies beef to that boys' ranch and teaches the boy how to raise cattle. Oh, and care for them. They also supply beef to an unwed mother's home that's not far away. And during the hurricane that hit two or three years ago here in Houston, all the men came up there to that church in their pasture land and they set up their barbecue pits and they fit 6,000 meals for the homeless and first responders. Wow. It is the most giving church. I've ever seen in my life. And Pastor Randy, he gets up there on Sunday morning. He's wearing his blue jeans, his boots, his belt buckle, and his cowboy hat. And he gets up there and he preaches the gospel. And I mean, when he gives that call, uh, that amazes me. Uh, people from all walks of life, young, young people, older people, middle aged, are walking down that aisle. And it's just like, praise God. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Now, Ron, are you saying that this pastor has the gall to ask for a public, <laughs> a, a public showing of a person's faith? You know, and I say that tongue in cheek because <laughs> churches have moved away from that. We don't want to embarrass anybody. We don't want to. We don't want to put them on the spot. But boy, I tell you, there. I don't think there's anything in the world like an altar call to give Amen. people a, 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 an opportunity to respond to the call of God in their life. We we have so short changed and short circuited. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The joy, the joy of watching that, and I'm I'm so man that may. That makes me feel good. Thank you, Ron. <laughs> Not only that, Pastor Randy puts him in a circle and he prays with him. I've been in there. And he said, Not you know, the circle. Bible says if you <laughs> confess with your mouth, 
Yep. That Jesus is the Son of God. If mm-hmm. you believe in your heart, if only God truly knows your heart, you will be saved. Yep. <laughs> it, it, it's humble. Yep. Yeah. yeah. You bet. I'm, I'm so glad you're a part of that. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you share things like that. I, <laughs> I heard, uh, you know, that devastating tornado that just clobbered Kentucky and uh, yeah. five other states. But mm-hmm. I heard a pastor from one of the smaller towns outside Mayfield that was pretty well devastated. And uh, he said, there's a time to attend church and there's time to do church. Yeah. And yeah. this is the time to do it. Yeah. And, uh, boy, they have opened their doors and they're feeding people and financial needs. I mean, whatever God is opening the door to do that, it is so we have so much bad news today. But to hear the good news of the gospel sets men free and, and to watch people do that. What what a joy. Amen. You know, I'm so glad you get to experience that. You know, I, I, I'm reminded when I'm, I've, I've kind of vaguely heard about. Uh, Cowboy churches before I moved to Texas, you know, here and there, but you really don't quite know. And when I moved here, when I started with Man in the Mirror, again, part of my job is going to meet and build relationship with churches. Well, in my area here, there are at least six in my territory. Uh, and and like you describe yours, uh, most of them sit out near the highway and the middle of a field. Uh, two of them had, had tents when I first met with them. They've since built uh, these kind of uh, metal buildings, uh, but it's the same thing, like you said. They're just real raw, you know, no <laughs> no fluff, no fuss. You go in, and uh, my first you know experience there, I was the most overdressed guy in the entire environment because I had a nice <laughs> polo shirt on, nice. <laughs> <laughs> but they were. I'm start cowboy church is the only church I've ever been to in my entire life. Where there's horse hockey in the parking lot. Yeah. Well, this one had horse hockey in the driveway all the way to the pit. Yeah. <laughs> I carefully wiped with my, my nice shoes around. <laughs> and I and I, I discovered after I got in there, they were all kind of snickering. When they <laughs> 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 only half the people that go there are cowboys. As a matter of fact, the big point each year is during the summer they do a rodeo Bible camp. Yes. For teens, 13 to 18, they bring in war champion cowboys. Some of these kids never even seen a horse. They teach them how to ride. They teach them how to row. And then on Sunday or Saturday, uh, they have a kid's rodeo where all their family can come. Yeah. And those kids have been there for three days, uh, men and, and young men and young women. But the most important thing is that after that rodeo, Pastor Weaver, uh, Pastor, uh, uh, Randy and Pastor Darling brings them into the sanctuary. Mm-hmm. They sit on stool and they say, would anybody like to give a testimony? Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you something, those kids, some of them came from broken homes. Some of them have been abused. They come from all over. And they're, when they finish, there is not a dry eye in that place. And that is straight from the mouth of faith. Mm-hmm. It is wonderful. I've never seen anything like. It. Wow! That's my my mother, I'm sorry. Go ahead, go ahead Ron. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I would say the other thing that that actually uh, that surprised me was I did most of the almost all of the uh, cowboy churches in this area, North Texas, are part of the Nazarene Church, and I n- never knew that. Uh, oh. 
They have, they have, must have, I don't have two separate sides of the Nazarene church. Uh, but yeah, I want, there's a, they, I think they're district or regional offices here. And then I am meeting with them and they are the ones who connected me with three of the, of those uh, cowboy churches. Wonderful. Uh, so it's, it's, it's amazing. It, whole new, if you haven't been to one or seen it, you know, it's an experience. Trust me. <laughs> Wonderful. And mind you, it only took one time for me to realize I was overdressed. And I one time. Overdressed. <laughs> the Holy Spirit said, this is where you belong. Tank, what were you saying? Tank, what was that? I was just I was trying to imagine Ron in cut off short. Hey. I'll tell you something. Dr. Craig, I, I saw you and Stephanie on another program. You were talking about friends. And... Um, the first thing I did at that church is I volunteered to be a greeter. Mm. And that yeah. has been a blessing. I have met everybody at that church mm. because I get to shake their hand yeah. and say, uh, welcome, good morning. Mm. And then yeah. as they're leaving, I'll say, have a blessed week. And then I'll say something to, to the fact that, hey, I'll come back next week. We're open next week, too. <laughs> right. Uh, right, right, yeah. Yeah. So... Let me just pour pour in your life if I can. So, I, I think your one of your gifts, of which you have many, but um, especially the singles, is you made them all feel belong. Yeah. Whether you were in a ditch with four other guys, or you were in a singles group that were thirty five plus, you made them feel like they belonged. That that yeah. that's huge. Yeah. We all need to feel that way. Absolutely. Amen. Absolutely. Amen. That's right. It's important exactly. that it's done in a church. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you try to have a single group, like off campus or something like that, <laughs> I don't think it'll work. As long as it's in a church, singles respect the house of God. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the key to it. And let them speak. And the best thing to do is to be a great listener. Mm-hmm. Right. Ron, I watched you in action. You had everybody listen. They listened to your words. They, you know, it's like Tank said. You had a, a gift where people would sit back and listen. And those guys, like you said, diffuse that situation. That's awesome. Hey, I got just a couple of minutes here before we wrap out. Dr. Paul, anything you want to share? Well, y'all may not know this, but Joe Schofield and I are both cowboys. Um, now we went to Hardin Center. We we have the rings. We are we are bona fide cowboys, whatever that means. Uh, And I would like to. I'd just like to close uh, my part with just a real quick story. I uh, do y'all know where Eolian, Texas is? Ever heard of Eolian? It's just seven miles outside of Breckenridge. So (laughs) well, that that helps. Well, I I was the part time pastor of this little church. Uh, in Eolian, Texas, that was literally in the middle of a bean field. It had a corrugated tin roof, and uh, I was preaching one hot Texas morning, and uh, that's when we I had a tie on and a jacket and the whole thing, and uh, that corrugated tin roof, a wasp uh, nest was over the pulpit, and this wasp came down, was buzzing around my head, and it was causing me some trouble. One of my deacons got up and came up and stood next to me, and he said, keep going. 
And I, I kept going and he kept an eye on that wasp. And all of a sudden he reached up and grabbed that thing and squashed it with his own hand and threw it down on the floor. And he said, now you go ahead, son, you preach the gospel. <laughs> I tell you, that's what cowboys do. And I have never <laughs> forgotten that. Uh, what, what an image. You go ahead and preach the gospel. I got the wasps. You know? <laughs> Oh, Lord. Almost as good as your chicken experience there, Paul. But that's yeah, it. well, cowboys have a lot of experiences. I want to invite all of y'all to come down to Montgomery and go to Lone Star Cowboy Church with me anytime you're in town. Well, thank you, brother. Thank Thanks you, Ron. so much, Ron. That's great. Good. Well, tell the church Merry Christmas for us, huh, guys? And uh, and tell the pastor and his wife, and we look forward to talking with them sometime and just wish them the best of the season and uh, that God will use them in special ways. we got about about two minutes, guys. Ron, Greer, anything, yeah, brother, real quick? Oh, I, we, we never have enough time. <laughs> I know. we got to go to two hours. Yeah, we'll I, figure it. I wanted, I wanted to, some uh, feedback on the books. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Tell, us about yeah, the book. tell them real quick where they can get your books. That's right. Come on. Uh, they're on Amazon, or you can check out our website. It's thirdcoastbooks.com. That's 3rdcoastbooks.com. Yeah. So visit our website. We've got several of our books that have movie contracts on them also. All right. have films made. We're 360 Studios, Keith Barrow's uh, executive producer. And uh, just stay tuned. All right. That's wonderful, Ron. That's wonderful. Well, I've been producing another Tom, the Tom Clancy upgrade, right? The Christian. <laughs> Well, it's kind of along the line of that series, This Present Darkness, only his is really something. There's three of them coming out. But I ran out of time. Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, hey, there they go. I hit five. There's the number on my screen. Boing! <laughs> so, uh, Ron Mumford, thanks, brother, for being with us tonight. And uh, we appreciate it. And we'll be praying for you. We'll be talking to you soon. And from all of us, all of you, God bless you. And uh, we'll talk to you real soon, okay? My pleasure. Love meeting all y'all. God bless you. God bless you. Yeah. 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 Hey, yippee Kaye, We got it. Yippee Kaye. <laughs> yeah. Yahoo. <laughs> yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in tonight. Raising expectations. We'll look forward to seeing you all during the week. Go to our website, watch the program, and we'll be back again with with uh, with a special next week on Alzheimer's. And so we hope you'll be with us and how you can bring joy to Christmas to the lives of people when you least expect it. We'll have Laura with us again from Encore with her husband, David. It's going to be great. All right, signing off. We'll look forward to wishing you a Merry Christmas again next week. Uh, you make it all worth it all. God bless Keep, fill, restore, and give you a blessed week. We'll see you later. Friends, thanks for joining us on this week's program of Raising Expectations. We profoundly hope you found it engaging and at times humorous, but most of all, uplifting, so that we may, with you, one topic at a time each week, become more encouraged to move forward to an exciting future in, as we always say, this thing called life in America today. So let not your hearts be troubled, your family, finances, faith, freedom, 
It can be a great future as we talk, listen, respect, and pull together. Please let me hear from you. You can reach me at 972-922-8556. That's 972-922-8556 or Joe Schofield on Facebook or LinkedIn. It'd be a pleasure to know you and we hope you'll listen in again next week on the BBS Radio Network.